The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Game Podcast are presented by our Patreon. Score exclusive perks, content, and contests, including our NFL win totals contest with a $1,000 prize. Join today at sportsgamepodcast.com slash Patreon. We're also brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app to get last-minute tickets at the lowest price guaranteed. Use promo code SGPN for $20 off. We're also brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code SGP. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on any college football bet. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code SGP. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast. And now it is currently Sunday afternoon, August 27th, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode because it is time to get into the U.S. Open, the final Grand Slam event of the calendar year. But do want to remind everybody what the schedule will be for the next week or two. Of course, this will be the outright episode, as well as the Lock and Dog picks providing input on the first round matches, but... From that point forward, we will be doing an episode per round. So we will be doing the same exact thing we've done for previous Grand Slams, as well as the Masters 1000 events, doing one episode for each round. But I wanted to just state that publicly uh, in case all of you ended up forgetting. But there will be a lot of tennis content on this show for the next couple of weeks because we will be doing an episode every other day, basically until the U.S. Open is over. So hopefully we make some money, and hopefully we have a fun tournament, even though I know all of us are rooting for Djokovic Alcaraz final. We'll see what happens, but anyway, I will go through each quarter, and I will be giving out some outright picks for those as well, not just talking about the outrights to lift the trophy at the end of the tournament. But still, before we get into any of the preview stuff, do want to talk about the Winston-Salem final and recap our picks. Starting off with the Lock and Dog picks, did not go well. Ended up going 0-2. We had Leheshka, uh team total over 12.5 games, a minus 125 as our lock. And we also had the over 2.5 sets at plus 135 as my dog. Unfortunately, Leheshka once again, just completely fell apart mentally. In big in a big moment, and he was handed the greatest spot imaginable to win an ATP title as he had a full day off because Corda did not show up once again for the semi. Baez had a three-hour and 18-minute marathon in the semis with no day off in between, and you were assuming that Elheshka would have a massive edge in terms of rest, but I did mention a couple of ways the match could play out. One of them was Baez winning. I mentioned that there was some value at plus 155, but I did think if they were both at full rest, uh, I'd say if it was even, Baez would win pretty comfortably. But I thought that perhaps the rest advantage would sway things in favor of potentially Laheshka. And unfortunately, that did not happen. Laheshka was, once again, like the Davis Cup match from last year, up a break in each of the first two sets. And he's still lost in straight sets. So once again, Laheshka just mentally is still too fragile to actually get over any obstacle whatsoever. And I do think even though we had him to win the event at roughly 14 to 1, that's probably going to be the last time we back Laheshka to win a tournament for a while. Because even if he makes deep runs into the quarters, the semis, or even a final, I have no faith in him to deal with any adversity properly. And I think he's going to fall apart. And unfortunately, I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt because of the draw. And even with the overall scheduling spot where he was gifted once again the greatest rest advantage possible for a final. And he got buried. 
for the most part. And once again, up a break in each of the first two sets, it looked really good to cash the over two and a half sets early because he was up two nothing in the second set and then immediately got broken and he fell apart from that from that point forward. But it just seemed like Laheshka, first of all, could not hit a first serve. Uh, that was definitely a problem because his first serve percentage was hovering around 50% for the entire match. And it just seemed like Baez was willing to keep the ball in play and try to out-rally Laheshka. And Laheshka got annoyed and hit unforced errors over and over again. So I did equate Laheshka's play style to Chorich's in the last episode. And I do, once again, see the similarities. But I think Chorich is definitely the better player. But it is what it is. Unfortunately, Laheshka could not win a set and ended up losing in straight sets. So picked up a loss with the lock and dog picks. But once again, overall, pretty good tournament. And we'll look for a much better tournament here in the U.S. Open. But as for the other takeaways that I want to mention briefly, there were some new, there were some new stories that went around on the men's side regarding uh, the potential retirement of a couple of American players. And coincidentally, they will be teammates in the doubles portion of the U.S. Open. But Isner and Jack Sock both came out individually and said they will be retiring after the U.S. Open. Now, they are going to be teammates, so that it should be a pretty interesting duo because I do think that's one of the better just doubles teams in the world if they are fully committed. And I do think that, once again, those two could maybe have a... Kyrgios, Kokonakis, Australian Open doubles run. We'll see. I think it could be possible, but they did announce they were going to retire. Isner, I'm not surprised with. I saw him get buried on grass by Munar, and at that point, you knew it was over. I've been saying Isner has been washed for a while, and he can't move, which is why he loses every tiebreaker, because unless he serves really well, he's going to lose, because he can't move, and he can't break anybody. So I'm not surprised Isner, who's accomplished a lot in his career, I do acknowledge I think his career is personally overrated, but still, for an American tennis player, it has not been the greatest decade and change for American tennis, and Isner has won double-digit ATP titles, but he officially announced his retirement, and then you have Sock, who said he's going to retire as well, but he's going to transition over to pickleball, because you probably don't have to work out as much for pickleball, but that's really my main gripe with Sock. He never really cared, and he was a former top-10 player. He showed a lot of promise early on in his career, but you noticed over the last couple of years, his fitness was never a priority. And we even saw that in the U.S. Open matchup last year against Schwartzman, where he ran out of gas while he was up two sets, and then he like ordered a burger while he was on the sideline, and you saw him eating it on the changeover, and then he ended up retiring anyway. He's always been out of shape, and he's never really cared. I don't really care if Sox retiring, because it doesn't make a difference to me. Isner I might miss because for gambling purposes, betting tiebreakers throughout his entire career was a really fun way to make money because he could never break anybody and nobody could ever break him. So that was a fun, I don't want to say auto bet, but he probably made a lot of money if you just blindly bet on over 12 and a half games in various sets. But for Sock, I don't really care. It was fun betting on him in doubles occasionally, uh, but for the most part, he has always been a player that peaked way too early, that never really cared about the sport and his fitness was always atrocious, which is why now he's transitioning over to a sport that's reserved for mostly 50-year-old people. So, Sock will eat whatever he wants. He won't really work out, and I'm sure he'll be a good pickleball player because most tennis players like Noah Rubin and the others that ended up moving over have done well for themselves. But anyway, that was some of the news stories that went around with American tennis, which was the retirement of a couple of 
uh, players who had some success in the past. Either way, time to actually get into the purpose of the show, which is getting into the outrights. So once again, I'm going to go through the usual order. I'm going to talk about the outright odds briefly. At least I'm, I'm going to read them off first things first. Then I'll go through the quarters and then work our way backwards. So for starters, I will disclose this. There are not many people that the odds makers are giving a serious shot to win this event. In fact, you only have four people who have odds that are 14 to 1 or lower, and then everybody else, the fifth lowest odds to win the event, according to DraftKings, is Zverev at 35 to 1. So you're looking at basically three people, probably two, maybe four. That's basically it. So I'm going to tell you right now, do I have a serious long shot winning the event? No, I do not have that. I think it's going to be between pretty much two guys. And you could throw in maybe a third as a wild card. But anyway, the odds here, Djokovic is the favorite at plus 125. You have Alcaraz as the second favorite at plus 190. You have Medvedev at 10 to 1. And you have Sinner at 14 to 1. I said that Zverev was 35 to 1 and Tsitsipas was 40 to 1. I'm going to ignore those. But the point is those four, Djokovic, Alcaraz, Medvedev, and Sinner, are pretty much the only four given any chance to win this event, according to the odds makers. So just keep that in the back of your mind, and now we're going to move into the actual quarters. Starting off with the first quarter, you have Alcaraz as the favorite at minus 190. You have Sinner at plus 350. Zverev at plus 900. Dimitrov at 28 to 1. Murray at 30 to 1. Nori at 35 to 1. And a bunch of other guys that I don't really care about. First things first, do I see Dimitrov or anybody else longer than him making a run? No. I see three people in this quarter who could win it. I see Alcaraz, I see Sinner, and I see Zverev. Now, it is going to be a bit tricky for Sinner and Zverev because they have to face off against each other before facing off against Alcaraz, hypothetically. So the point is, Alcaraz should have the much easier path to actually make it into the final compared to the other two, which is why he is minus 190. But you are going to see Zverev and Sinner on a collision course before potentially facing off against Alcaraz. Alcaraz's main opponent in his overall quarter, I, should, I shouldn't say quarter, I'd say up to the quarterfinals will be, uh, I believe it's Nori, if I'm not mistaken, which should just be barbecue chicken. I mean, that's just going to be a free win for Alcaraz. So, yeah, Alcaraz is my pick to win the quarter. I'm really not going to sugarcoat it. Would it shock me if Sinner or Zverev beat Alcaraz? No, because Alcaraz did go to a bunch of five-set matches last year in route to the title. But Sinner, we know, is the Alcaraz, I don't want to say Achilles heel, because they've had a pretty even head-to-head. It's been his biggest rival so far. I know that, once again, the couple, the several matches they've had this year with Alcaraz and Djokovic have made a very nice rivalry in itself. But in terms of their careers and what we've seen in years past, Alcaraz and Sinner tends to always be fun and tends to always be close. So that could be a very interesting matchup. But Zverev a 9-1, to one, I think, is kind of intriguing. I'm not sure Zverev could actually beat Alcaraz on hardcore, but he did beat him in the French Open a couple years ago. And Zverev has been in decent form. The problem is Zverev, we know, is a bit of a head case, and he can seem to fall apart in these big events. So... For this one, I think Alcaraz is going to win the quarter, but I think if you want to make a case for Sinner and Zverev at plus 350 and plus 900, I maybe wouldn't mind that either. One of those three is going to win the quarter, so you can kind of pick it from that point forward. The question is, though, do you think whoever wins the Sinner and Al and uh, Zverev match, let's say that it's Sinner, 
Do you think that either guy will have anything left in the tank to handle Alcaraz, who should cruise into the quarterfinals? I'm not sure, but Sinner historically has given Alcaraz fits, and I do think, once again, that could be a very fun match. So I will go with my main lean being Alcaraz, but I do think, once again, Sinner or Zverev could make it very interesting. So I will lean to Sinner at plus 350, and I will lean to Zverev at 9-1, to mostly for the value, but nobody else into this quarter has a shot to win it, so I'm going to stick with those three. Moving on to the second quarter, you have Medvedev at plus 125, you have Hurkacz at 6-1, to you have Rublev at 650, you have Dimenauer at 12-1, to Berrettini at 14 to 1, Chorich at 20 to 1, Kishanov was back in action at 20 to, at 22 to 1. You have Draper at 25 to 1, Monfi at 25 to 1, and that's basically it. So for starters, Medvedev should be favored in this quarter. I feel like it is a pretty uh safe assumption that he will be making a relatively deep run here. To go through his path, he really doesn't have that bad of a draw. He should be able to beat Chorich. Chorich actually has a matchup against Baez in the first round again. So that might be a barn burner, then maybe Nishikori in the second round. So George or Baez doesn't exactly have a great draw. O'Connell or Purcell, I'm assuming Purcell in the first round matchup could be interesting because Purcell has kind of adopted a serve and volley approach, which has given Medvedev problems in the past. Not Purcell in particular, but we have seen serve and volley guys have success against Medvedev. So maybe Purcell could be alive to make that match very interesting in the round of 64. Am I picking him to win? No, but he's been in good form. I think that Medvedev could maybe lose a set in that match. But I think at the end of the day, it's a pretty reasonable quarter for uh, Medvedev. And I think if I wanted to take a spin on anybody, it would probably be probably be Dimenauer, who has had success against Medvedev in the last couple meetings. 12 to 1, I think it's a pretty appealing price for Dimenauer. Do I think he's going to make it that far? I don't fully know, but I think 12 to 1, once again, is worth a flyer for a guy that has won a couple of hardcore matches against Medvedev in the past year or so. So my long shot will be Dimenauer at 12 to 1. Rublev at 650, I'm tempted by, but he has been in pretty bad form recently on hardcore. He lost to Rusevori, etc. So Rublev, I'm kind of on the fence with, but I think for the sake of this quarter, Medvedev should win it. But we have seen Medvedev struggle to actually make deep runs in Grand Slams lately. So I'm not sure if he's going to. Dimenauer, 12 to 1 is my long shot. I'm convinced on that. Monfia, 25 to 1. He's been in good form lately, but it's three to five sets, and there's a lot of matches. And that's my concern. I'm just worried that if you end up seeing Monfia go to five sets, maybe early on, he might run out of gas. Now, the days off in between should help him, but I am wondering if you might end up seeing Monfi perform well, and then maybe he just hits a wall physically and loses somewhat early. I also think Hurkacz could be in trouble against Draper if Draper's just overall fitness can keep up, which has been an issue in the past. But Draper, I think, will be pretty live against Hurkacz, so I'm not interested in Hurkacz at that price at around 6-1. to one. I do think, once again, Rublev at 650 would be a choice if I liked his current form, but I don't. And historically speaking, Medvedev has done quite well against Rublev in the past. So I think my picks for this quarter are going to be Medvedev at plus 125, uh, Dimenauer as my semi-long shot at 12-1. to 1. And Munfi, I'm just looking at his draw. Munfi would play against Rublev potentially in the second round. 
But Rublev's playing against Rusevori, who beat him on hardcore a couple weeks ago. So once again, I'm definitely going to pass on Rublev because I'm not a fan of his draw. Monfils should be able to handle Taro Daniel. He should be able to handle Rusevori. Uh, Berrettini could be in decent form, but I do think if I wanted to make a serious case for a long shot, maybe I can make a case for Monfils. You know what? I'll live a little bit. Give me Monfils to join Medvedev and Dimenauer as my outright picks into the second quarter. Now, moving on to the third quarter, you have Rune, Rude, Tiafo, and Paul and Korda. All of them are currently 7-1 to one or lower, so this is the most open quarter by a wide margin. Rune is the favorite at plus 450. Now, Rune has battled some injuries for his entire career and for the last couple of weeks, so I do question his overall fitness because we know Rune can cramp at times, and he's also a bit of a mental case at times, so that could be a bit of a problem. Rude was the defending runner-up, so you can look at Rude to maybe make a run, but we know that he has been... Once again, a bit underwhelming this entire year, besides making the French Open final. Now, Rude's overall draw is pretty favorable. Face off against Nava in the first round, which he should win, then probably Wolf. I think Rude would win that. Would be competitive, but I think Rude would win. Then you have Hitchikata, Kotov, Fuksovic, or uh, Korda. Now, Fuksovic and Korda is a pretty interesting match in the first round. I think Korda would win, but he also injured his ankle in that victory against Gasquet in Cincinnati. So I do wonder how healthy he's going to be. And we know Cord is also a head case. So Rude should have a decent path to make it to potentially the quarterfinals. But the question is, do I trust Rude enough to actually get across the finish line? To look at Rune's path, it's interesting. He has a matchup against Baina in the first round, which he should win easily. Then a matchup against either Karatsev or Laheshka. I know Laheshka... Choked it for us, but I think him or Karatsev could give Rune problems in a three to five set on hard uh, three to five set match on hard court. I think Rune probably wins that, but once again with durability concerns, I am a little bit on the fence with that. But I do think if I'm looking at the overall form of players so far this year, I think my pick has to be Tommy Paul at seven to one. I just think Paul's been in good form. We know that he's consistent. You can roast a lot of people that don't exactly have the firepower to get over the hump. But Paul is very consistent, and he has done very well this year. So I do think that Paul is pretty live to make a deep run in this event. Tiafo at 550 is interesting, because we know that he made the semis last year. But he's a head case, and I still don't fully trust him. His draw is very favorable, though. He would face off against Rude in the... Uh, I believe that's the round of 16, I think. Uh, so that could be a bit of a war there. I think if I had to pick between Tiafo and Rude, I think I'd lean Rude, but once again, it's a really tough quarter with this many players that are close together in odds. If you want to take a serious long shot, this probably is your quarter because you could see them killing each other, at least the favorites, and maybe you have somebody slip through the cracks. But I think for this one, I'm going to lean to Rude at plus 550, and I am going to take Paul at 7-1. to one. I think those are my two main leans. Tiafo, I want to pick, but I, I could just see Tiafo losing to somebody that he should beat because he's just going to mentally fall apart. I'm going to go with Rudin Paul at 550 and 7-1, respectively. You can make a case maybe for Fakina at 14-1, to one, but I don't think I'm going to. I'm looking at the overall path, though, quickly to see if there's anybody I'm tempted by. Could I see Manorino making a run here? Like, I think his path isn't that bad if you have faith in him getting past Tiafo. Would he beat Rude? Probably not, but I'm not picking Bublik, who's barely played since uh, the grass season. 
I'm not going to pick Laheshka because he's a head case. Kratsev, I want to make a case for, but I can't because I can't trust him. And he's been in bad form this year. Shelton, I don't want to take because I don't trust him either. And I know he was playing better entering the U.S. Open, but I still don't think he's been playing well, per se. So I'm not going to pick him. Team, I'm not going to pick because physically I don't trust him to actually last long enough to make a deep run. For my long shot, it probably would be Manorino, uh, just because, once again, I do think that his overall form has been pretty solid lately. He just beat Gasquet on hard court a week or two ago, so I don't mind that head-to-head matchup in the second round. You can maybe make a case for Wolf, but I'm not going to. I don't think Wolf's good enough to actually make the semifinal in a grand slam. I'm not sure Manorino can either, but his style of play is so unique that I think it could give players problems. So I think I will take a spin here with Manorino at around 28 to 1. I'm just shopping around to see if there's a better price. I see 28 to 1. So once again, my third quarter picks will be Rude at plus 550, Paul at 7 to 1, and I'll also make a case for Manorino at 28 to 1 as my super duper long shot. Moving on to the fourth quarter, you have the most e- you have the easiest uh, quarter to predict. You have Djokovic at minus 500 and a bunch of guys not named Djokovic who are going to lose. So you have Sitsipas at 9 to 1, you have Fritz at 14 to 1. Felix is 25 to 1, and then a bunch of other guys who I don't care about. So, once again, Djokovic is going to win the quarter. Just deal with it. He's minus 500. I thought Djokovic had the most favorable draw of anybody here, and I do think he's going to win this quarter comfortably. He might not drop a set in this quarter. He's minus 650 to win the quarter on Bet MGM, but DraftKings has minus 500. I really can't give out anything for this quarter because I think Djokovic is just going to win. So minus 500, I'm not going to give out. If you can parlay quarters, maybe throw that in there with Alcaraz if you want to try to reduce some juice here. Uh, Let me see if I could actually do that. If you parlay Djokovic with Alcaraz to win their quarters, it is minus 120, which once again is not a great deal, but it is cutting into some of the juice. But Djokovic is going to win the fourth quarter. I really don't have anything else to add. Sissi Paz is a head case. He might lose in the first round to Rayonich. Fritz has been playing pretty good tennis, but Djokovic just buried him in Cincinnati. So I know Fritz has no chance of beating him in the U.S. Open. Felix is a head case. Musetti's not a great hardcore player. Nakashima's had a bad year. You get the point. So Djokovic is going to roll. Give me Djokovic at minus 500 to win the quarter. So once again, my picks for the quarters. First quarter. Alcaraz minus 190, my main play, but Sinner plus 350, and Zverev at 9 to 1. We'll have some action from me. Uh, second quarter, you have Medvedev at plus 125, Dimenauer at 12 to 1, and I will throw in Munfi for fun at 25 to 1 as a light sprinkle. For the third quarter, give me Rude at plus 550, give me Paul at plus 700, and I will take a spin with Manorino at 28 to 1. And besides that, I was just quickly checking to see if I could find a better price on any of the guys I mentioned. I cannot. So I'm going to stick with those. And then for the fourth quarter, I have absolutely nothing. Djokovic is going to roll. Deal with it. So that's going to wrap it up for the actual quarters. Now it's time to get into the actual lock and dog picks for actually, no, sorry, I'm skipping something. Now it's time to get into the actual outrights for the event in terms of who's going to lift the trophy. So I mentioned that there's four guys who can win the event. Djokovic. Alcaraz, Medvedev, and Sinner. Now, that was kind of a bait because I'm not actually considering four people to win this event because Medvedev, I think, is not going to beat Djokovic or Alcaraz, especially Alcaraz. Alcaraz just owns Medvedev. There's no chance Medvedev's going to beat him because Alcaraz just 
is too fundamentally sound and Medvedev doesn't have enough firepower to actually hit past Alcaraz, I think Alcaraz would beat him probably in three or four sets. Sinner's interesting at 14 to one. Now he's never actually made it uh, to a, I don't think he's ever made it to a semifinal in his career at a Grand Slam event. Let me just see if I could actually find this. I don't think he has, but the point is he'd have to face off against Zverev and Alcaraz just to make it two of these semis, and then he'd have to face off against some other high-quality competition. He did make the semis in Wimbledon. I forgot about that, where he completely no-showed the match against Djokovic. So he has one semifinal appearance in his career, made the quarters last year, and then he ended up losing to Alcaraz in that serious war. But I don't think he's going to win the event at 14-1. to 1. Like I just think Sinner is a fun choice to win a quarter, but I don't trust him to actually get past Djokovic. He can't beat Medvedev. And Alcaraz is going to be a very difficult matchup in the quarters if he gets that far because it's a face off against Zverev in the round of 16. I'm passing on Sinner. Medvedev, I'm going to pass on because I don't trust him. And I think that Djokovic and Alcaraz are just going to beat him if they face off against each other. I think for this one, I'm going to go with Djokovic at plus 125 as my main play. Alcaraz is the fun choice because he's the defending champion. But a reminder Djokovic was not there last year. And I do think that even though you can't assume that Alcaraz and Djokovic would have crossed paths in last year's event, Djokovic would have beaten him. I thought Alcaraz was pretty vulnerable. He ended up winning a bunch of five-set matches, and then he ended up beating Rude in four. But I think we all know deep down, Rude making the final of the U.S. Open was pretty, uh, I'd say, lucky on his behalf because of the fact that he faced off against against uh, Kashanov and you had... Uh, Medvedev losing to Kyrgios, and then Kyrgios lost to Kishanov, and Djokovic wasn't there. And once again, I just thought that it was a pretty weak field in general with Djokovic not being in attendance. Alcaraz won. I'm not taking it away from him, but there is a bit of an asterisk there that he won without Djokovic being there. And I think we all know, I know the Cincinnati matchup was an absolute war, one of the greatest three-set matches of all time, but I am picking Djokovic to win the event because his draw is significantly easier to actually make the semis. Djokovic, once again, is about minus 500 to win his quarter. Alcaraz is minus 190. So Alcaraz's odds are a lot shorter, and it's because he has Zverev and Sinner in his section. He don't have to face off against one of them, but you get my point. It's a much more difficult quarterfinal matchup than Djokovic having to either beat Tsitsipas again, like he always does, or beating Fritz, like he always does. Djokovic has the easier path. I think that, once again, the main takeaway when everyone saw the initial bracket was, damn, Djokovic got a good draw, and I agree with you. So I'm going to go with Djokovic to win the U.S. Open for the first time since 2018. It has been a while. Of course, he was not in attendance in 2022 and 2021. He did also lose in, uh, sorry, in 2022 and 2020. So he did lose two years there where he could not participate. He did lose in the final to Medvedev, where he was going for the calendar Grand Slam, but he kind of ran out of gas there. I think Djokovic is going to win, so give me Djokovic at plus 125. Alcaraz, I kind of have to consider giving out a plus 190 because I only have two people that can actually win this tournament. So I think if I was going to actually look at another way to attack this matchup, first of all, DraftKings has Alcaraz against Djokovic in the final at plus 175, which is a horrible deal. That is a really bad price. I'm not taking that. I'm trying to see if I can find a better price on uh, BetMGM. I doubt it, but I was hoping I could. 
if you want to try to find a better, I'd say, odds for Alcaraz, you can get Alcaraz to lose in the final at roughly plus 200. Is that great? Not really. That's kind of the problem. So I really don't see much, but yeah, I don't really have much for you. I just think, once again, if you're looking at a price to try to find value on Alcaraz, I really just don't see it. You can, in theory, take Djokovic to win the tournament without dropping a set at 16-1, to which I don't think he's going to do. I think he's going to drop a set. Alcaraz will drop a set. He dropped a bunch of sets last year. Once again, he has Sinner in his quarter, potentially Zverev. He'd have to face off against one of them, but then he'd have to probably face off against like Djokovic in the final, like he's going to drop a set. So 25 to one, I'm interested in, but I really just don't see much that I'm really tempted by. I don't have much. I was hoping for better odds here. Alcaraz at plus 190. I guess you have to consider, am I going to take it? No, I think 190 is too short for a guy that's in a tough quarter and for a guy that has to beat Djokovic. I just don't think that's a realistic price for Alcaraz, as crazy as that might sound. So I think I have won outright for the entire tournament to win the event. I'm taking Djokovic at plus 125, but if I wanted to take Alcaraz, I'd rather take him to win the quarter at minus 190. I don't think plus 190 is a fair representation of how difficult Alcaraz's quarter is and is the likelihood he has of actually beating Djokovic in a 3-5 to set match on hardcore. So yeah, I got one outright to win this event. I got Djokovic, and I'm hopefully going to make some money on the long shots in the quarters, but I can't take Alcaraz at plus 190. I don't see it. I once again do think it's going to come down to two guys. I think it's going to come down to Djokovic and Alcaraz, but can I see in a world where Alcaraz loses in his quarter? Sure. It's a difficult quarter, so I do think once again that's going to wrap it up for my overall outrights for the event. Sorry if you wanted some long shots, but I've said this before, I'll say it again. If you want serious long shots to actually win Grand Slam events, bet the WTA. You just saw in Wimbledon a 150-1 to player won Wimbledon. So it's a lot more common in women's tennis to have a serious Cinderella run. And men's tennis, you tend to see the same superstar players winning every event. I don't see that changing, so I am going to go with Chalk here. Give me Djokovic at plus 125 to win the event. That's going to wrap it up, though, for the actual outrights. Now it's time for the Lock and Dog picks for the first round. But before we get into any of that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but I personally love to attend sporting events in person. It used to be very difficult to actually find a very good place to get tickets until I found... Game time. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. They also have some great features on their app. They have images of seat views, which is my personal favorite feature. Maybe in the past you tried to buy a ticket which you thought was going to get you a great view of the action, and the next thing you know, you picked the seat that had an obstruction directly in your line of view. And as a result, you wasted some money because you ended up not being able to see anything at all. But that is not going to happen with this feature because it'll show you on the app exactly what the projected view is, so you know exactly what to expect before you officially pay for the ticket. Plus, Game Time is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a good reason, and if you look at 
how efficient you can really buy your tickets. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code SGPN for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code SGPN for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Nordic Fantasy. August is almost over, and you know what that means. Time is running out for you to draft your fantasy football team on Underdog Fantasy. Get championship ready for your home league by trying out best ball on Underdog Fantasy. All you have to do is one live snake draft, no waivers, no trades. You set it, forget it, and Underdog t- uh, does the rest. Try it out with Underdog's Best Ball Mania Tournament, the largest fantasy football contest of all time, with $15 million of total prizes up for grabs, including an absurd $3 million going to the winner. Do you have what it takes to win it all? The time is now. The last day to draft your fantasy football team is September 7th. Visit OrnookFantasy.com or find them on the App Store and sign up with the promo code SGPN to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. It's OrnookFantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're also brought to you by DraftKings. You've waited all year, and the time has finally arrived. College football is back, and so are the traditions, the tailgates, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on any college football bet. Kick off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code SGP. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on any college football bet. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code SGP. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after they are given to you. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. We're also brought to you by the SGP Patreon. Make sure to check out our Patreon. Sign up for the Patreon to get exclusive access to contests, including the NFL win totals contest with a $1,000 first place prize the guys also just recorded their first sports game podcast stories podcast which is just for patrons and it chronicles the birth of the sports game podcast network there's even a discord channel just for patrons the sports game podcast has and always will give out their picks for free but the patreon is a great way to support the network and fight back against corporate gambling sports slash patreon the sports slash patreon Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished going through the outright picks for the U.S. Open, including some quarter breakdowns. But now it's time for the Lock and Dog picks for some matches for the first round. First of all, uh, just by pure coincidence, the Lock and Dog picks will both be taking place on Tuesday. So if you do listen to this podcast a bit late, maybe you're catching it on Monday after the tournament started. Don't worry about it. You have an extra day to get your bets in. But anyway, for the Lock I am going to go to a player that I mentioned before. I mentioned how Isner is going to retire after this event, and I've been fading him pretty consistently for the last couple of weeks, and it has worked out well. I'm going to fade him once again. Now, I'm not saying he's going to lose the match against Diaz Acosta, but I have to at least point out that there is a prop that I really like in favor of Diaz Acosta, and I'm going to take it. It's going to be the team total for Diaz Acosta, and it's currently available at 18.5. The over is minus 130 on DraftKings, and that will be my lock. Now, there's a couple ways to get there. Either Diaz Acosta wins the match, and you're probably going to get at least one set with a seven in there because we know Isner is still a very good server. So if Acosta Diaz wins in straight sets, and there's either a 7-5 or a 7-6 in there, you win, or you have Isner winning in 
potentially four or five sets, probably with a tiebreaker or two in there. So the six games minimum for for Diaz Acosta in those two sets, and that's going to get him over the number. But simply put, Isner, if he's going to win, is not going to win easily because he can't move. It's why he's been really bad over the past year. It's why he really has a hard time winning tiebreakers at this point. It's because he cannot move laterally, and even though D- even though Diaz Acosta isn't a great server. I think he's decent enough and he's talented enough to hold the zone against Isner just by making Isner run side to side. But Isner, we know he's going to serve bombs. We know that he should probably win a set. But I have questions about with his age, his movement, and his stamina if it is going to be, once again, a longer match that could go to a couple of breakers. But if Acosta, if, a, if a Diaz Acosta wins a set, you should win this bet. So I think, once again, there's a couple ways to get there. But I do think 18 and a half is too low. I see Bet365, for example, has a 19 and a half games on the team total at minus 120. So I'm sacrificing 10 cents to gain an extra game, which is worth it because once again, a 7 6 6 4 6 4 win for Diaz Acosta gives you a total of 19, which goes over on DraftKings and under on Bet365. So I do think, once again, it is warranted to take the. Uh, 18 and a half with extra juice on DraftKings compared to the minus 120 on bed 365 at 19 and a half. But anyway, that's going to be my lock for the show. My dog will be a match in a matchup between an American, actually, as Momo is taking on Kashanov. And Kashanov is the favorite to win this match, but it's a little bit short. He's currently at minus 172. And you might be wondering, well, he's a semifinalist from last year. Why is he so cheap? And the main reason is because he has not played much tennis recently. You might remember that after the French Open, he got injured and missed Wimbledon. And he also missed all of the hard court swing in North America before the U.S. Open. He did play a couple of doubles matches in Cincinnati as he ended up uh, beating uh, Evans and Evans' opponent. He was with Hassa. He won a third set super breaker there, 10-7. And then he lost to Dodig and his partner in the second round, 6-1-6-4. But the point is Kashanov was also supposed to play singles at that event, and he ended up canceling. So Kashanov has not played a singles match since June 6th. He's not played a hardcourt match in a long, long time, and now suddenly he's supposed to hit the ground running, trying to beat Momo, who's actually been a pretty solid underdog candidate in the past, has a couple of nice wins this year against top 10 competition. Now, Kashanov is still ranked highly because of the way the rankings worth with some injury protection. But I think, once again, Kashanov is pretty vulnerable, which is why Momo is a very cheap price to win this match at plus 142. I'm going to take it, though. I think, once again, Kashanov, until he shows me that he's fit and ready to play on hard court, I do not think he should be favored. And Momo has been, once again, competitive in the hard court swing in North America. He has not won a ton of matches, but he can definitely push opponents to the brink. And I do wonder about the stamina for Kashanov because it is a three to five set match where he's not played a three to five set match since the French Open because he skipped Wimbledon and he's not played a singles match in months. I think Mo's pretty alive to win this one, and I'm going to take him because of it. So once again, the lock and dog picks for the show. The lock's going to be on Diaz Acosta. Team total over 18 and a half at minus 130 on DraftKings. And my dog will be Momo. Moneyline at plus 142 on FanDuel. That's going to wrap it up for the outright episode of the U.S. Open. Now, a reminder, we will be back in a couple of days to go through the round of 64, etc. So keep your eyes open for some potential podcasts over the next week. 
Until then, though, find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Find me on the NBA show. Find me on the MLB show. Find me on the NFL show and the WNBA show. You get the point. Until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.